what is off the groove? It means you've blown the line or you're pushing the limits a little bit too far or just maybe you might be looking for a faster way around the racetrack. Off the Groove with Scotty Dubler. Episode 66, Friday, March 1st, 2019. We'll be in Daytona in 13 days. March 1st. I can't believe it's already March. Like, we're two months into 2019. How did that happen? It's it's ridiculous. It's still cold out here in Oklahoma. It's not this cold this long. And I can't believe it's already March, which means it's time for the Grand National Flat Track season to get started. Yeah, buddy. Some crazy stuff happened after we talked on Friday, or while we were talking on Friday, I guess. uh, There was uh, some testing out there in Daytona for for the TT, right? Yeah, it's pretty cool. They wanted to see how the the reaction to the motorcycles and how the action reaction to the to the riders would be coming off the front straightaway, you know, the pavement track back into the infield onto the dirt. And they brought some legends out. Scotty Parker was there, Jay Springsteen was there, and Johnny Lewis, who lives down in Florida. They all came down and did some testing, and it looked like it went pretty good. Yeah, and you know, if you're going to have some people test out a track, those are the folks that you want doing that. Yeah. And you know what, Carter? I like it because they didn't use people that are currently racing. They didn't use some of the other riders, you know, that are down there right now, already down there from Florida and, and enjoying the nice weather. They're not really supposed to be on the track, you know, that close to an event. So I like what they did. They went and reached out to, you know, two of the best riders in flat track history and had them come down and get their, you know, feedback. And I think it's a great move on, on AFT's part. Yeah, so we'll see how it plays out here in a couple of weeks once uh, once the uh, the riders jump on that thing, and uh, I think it's going to be interesting. I, dude, Johnny Lewis was ripping it around that track. Yeah, he he man, he's a motorcycle rider, and I sure I sure wish, you know, I know he's got a lot going on with his schooling and stuff like that, and he's got two little kids, he's happily married, but I wish he could dedicate just one full season and get on a good quality ride and race the whole year on the Grand National level. I'd love to see how he'd end up. So I, I guarantee he could win some more races. I'm, I'm sure he'll be out at some, right? Like, he usually does a couple. And he's not sitting the, the whole season out this year, is he? Yeah, I don't, I don't think so. I haven't heard anything about his announcements. I just know his school is so busy, and he's, he's booked up pretty solid for quite a while. So I just know that that's, you know, that's how he makes his living, and, and uh, my hat's off to him for figuring out a way to make a living in something you enjoy, which is riding motorcycles. So, uh, you know, he's got it going on. I just... You know, like I said, I, I just wish he could commit to a whole season, but I know it probably will never, ever happen. But, man, it'd be fun to watch. Yeah, and it's, they've been putting out some uh, good content, too. I've seen the, the, you know some of the riders that have come out there. They're making little videos now and stuff, too. So that's cool to watch. And, uh, you know, that's the long-term goal, I'm sure, to, to make that successful. So completely get it. What else is going on? National Cycles on board for 2019 I saw on the list here? Yeah, yeah National They've been around for quite a while. National Cycle actually sponsored a friend of mine, Johnny Murphy, for quite a while, and they've been sponsored Jeremy for quite a while. They make some windshields and some other motorcycle parts, and uh, they're sponsored now for the AFC season for 2019. So it's pretty cool to get somebody else involved and, and be another sponsor to go along with the other sponsors that they have already. So uh, it's interesting to see. Also, just came out the other day was the NBCSN schedule. And uh, we're back on TV, and it's going to be not too far out. You know, like last year, we had to wait a while to see the races until the season got going. It seems like they're going to be having the races pretty close to, you know, race time. I mean, like, not too far out. So that's pretty cool. Like a two-week turnaround is what we're saying, or what? Yeah, yeah. It looked like it's pretty much a two-week turnaround, and, and sometimes maybe even less, I think, when the season gets going. But it's going to be exciting for sure. Yeah, I mean, you know, I'm sure the riders and everybody else want to see that live, and I think they're still working towards that. But, you know, it's always good to be on that network, uh, get those eyeballs, bring more people to the sport for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Live, live TV is tough, and I just don't know. I mean, 
they're getting there. They're trying to get prepared for that. They're uh, talking about, you know, shortening the format so we can fit everything into a, a certain time block, you know, and that just makes it where it's really tough. And if some of these races, we're going to have three classes. So I think just trying to make everything work logistically will be kind of tough. I think I still think AFT is working towards it, though. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't happen overnight, and at least they're not taking any steps backwards. So, uh, so they're heading in the right direction, at least. So. Um, what else happened? Uh, Sandriana Shipman, we were talking about her a couple weeks ago, uh, came out and she's going solo for 2019. Yeah, I, I kind of, I, I was, I was a little bit shocked on that one. I know she spent most of the year injured last year, but I thought she recovered after she came back to racing. She recovered nicely, uh, but she's on her own this year and, uh, doing her own thing. Triple nickel racing. That was, that was her number before she got a, a pro card and she was five, five, five. So it's triple nickel racing. And, and uh, she's going to try the series on her own, and uh, I think, uh, you know, I still think she's a force to be reckoned with. I think she's a fast, a fast rider. Uh, you know, she needs more seat time and and more time on the Grand National tracks will do her good. Yeah, and I saw the other day. I don't know if it was yesterday or the day before. She posted something about she's going across the pond to do some, uh, some flat track camps over there. She's going to be uh, teaching some some uh, folks uh, in England about dirt track racing. Well, that's cool. That's awesome. I think the more people that know about dirt track, the better off we are. And, and you know, maybe we might have another Oliver Brindley come over from England and start racing with us. You know, you just never know. Yeah, I think it's called Dirt dirt Camp or something that she's doing out there. It's in uh, Greenfield at Gr- Greenfield Dirt Track, which I have no idea where that's at. But right on. I bet if yep. we talk to I know to Oliver Ollie. rides that. Yeah, yeah, Oliver rides that track some. And, and speaking of Oliver Brindley, just yesterday on Thursday, Roost Systems announced their who all they're backing and oh, Carter, there's nine riders that they're sponsoring, including Oliver Brindley. He'll be in the uh, AFT singles class with Jesse Janish who's been there for a while. And then the new pro Trent Lowe, uh, he's moving up into the pro class. And so that's three AFT singles riders that they're backing. But not only that, they're sponsoring Dan Bromley and Shannon Texter on the Red Bull KTM. And also in the production twins are sponsoring Kevin Stallings and Ben Lau on the Kawasaki's. And then of course in the big class, Jeffrey Carver and Brandon Price in the AFT Twins class, and those guys will be riding Indian. So, Roof Systems, man, a nine-rider team. That's awesome. Yeah, I'm telling you, if it stays on this uh, trajectory, it's going to be the Roof Systems Flat Track Series in 2020. I'm telling you, they're they're taking over along with Estenson. Those two teams are really stacking it up, and uh, should be fun to watch them both uh, see how they see how they compete against each other in both the singles and the twins class this year. Yeah, and that's what I like too, Carter. Is is you know some people when they come in, they want to they want to be with the premier class, you know, and just we'll pick one or two riders and help out. Jerry, he's helping out people in all three classes: AFT singles, production twins, and AFT twins. So I think that's awesome. I you know we need more Jerry Cinchfields for sure. Yeah, and it's not just helping them. You know, it's it's helping them on a lot of different levels too. So that's pretty cool to see because you know you can't sponsor the whole program for every rider, but. He's, he's still uh, helping others in, in every way he can. So he's, he's definitely showing how much he loves the sport of flat track. Absolutely. And one of those riders we're going to talk to here in a little bit, aren't we? Yeah, this is one that, uh, that we've definitely wanted to get on for a while. You know, when we started this whole thing, the idea was to give people a chance who didn't see a lot of limelight. And uh, this, this person, this rider that we talked to this weekend, sees her fair share of limelight. Um, but she's still got a story, too. So I, I, I've definitely wanted to have her on. I know you're a big fan and you've always wanted to have her on. Um, and it kind of timed out perfect it was just after the ktm stuff was announced uh reached out to her and she had some time and uh gonna have shana text her on the show this week i'm super excited about this like you said you know we we try to have people that aren't in the limelight but Shana's always in the limelight but still she's got a great story uh she's the only female to win in grand national competition and she's done so you know 13 times so it's just 
it wasn't just a fluke. So uh, she's one talented writer, and I can't wait to talk to her. Yeah, and I mean, with the success she had last year on that Husky, um, you know, giving giving them their first win, uh, and you know, not only did they build the program, they got wins last year with her. So it, I can't wait to see what she does on that KTM. And uh, you know, I'm, as much as I hear her interview, there's still part of her story that I probably have no idea about. So I'm I'm really interested to hear this one. There's probably still stuff I don't know about her either, and I've been talking about her for my whole flat track racing career. <laughs> she's been racing, you know. So, yeah. uh, you know, the whole time I've been announcing, she's been racing. It's 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 super cool. Um, that's part of my, you know, the job that I love is I get to watch these kids come up through the ranks, through the amateur races. If I go, you know, do a Steve Steve Nace race or even the dirt track grand championships now, the the flat track grands they call them, and and watch the up and comers and watch them when they move into the pro ranks, and then you know how they succeed through their careers and it's been it's been quite a journey and, and Shane's got quite a journey as well absolutely and this year's only gonna you know this year's taking it to the next level on that ktm too so um you want to give her a call so you, people can stop listening to us and start listening to her yeah let's call Shana. let's do it give her a call i'm calling wait dial, dial those digits let's hear that 80s tune i actually kept that in last week i don't know if you know that because you don't go back and listen Actually, I played the whole thing, but I wasn't listening. It was a good one. That's what you said. All right, here we go. Aren't they all? They all are. Did you put Graham's question in there? Yes. You did not? I did not. It's ringing. I will. Hello? ST, Shana Texter. <laughs> this is her, ST52, what? coming at you. What's happening? How are you? I'm good. How are you? I am great. Where are you at now? I can't keep track of you. You're like, where's Waldo? It's like, where's Shana? <laughs> I'm, in, uh, I'm in Daytona with all your, your little boys. Oh, my little boys. Are you babysitting <laughs> them all? I am Vanderkoy and Bronson and Briar. They're all in the rig. They're like, just, just do it in here. <laughs> Wow. So you're all hanging out in one spot? Tonight we are, yeah. I mean, we're all basically based in Daytona right now, but uh, we happen to all be in the same little 10 by 10 cubicle right now. What have you been doing? I haven't seen you since you, uh, you won the last race of the season there at the Meadowlands. So <laughs> uh, what have you been doing? It's kind of been busy lately, huh? <laughs> yeah, lately, um, you know, I went into a little bit of hibernation um, back, back home and, uh, kind of hung out with the family and it did the whole holiday thing. And, um, then Briar and I came down to Daytona for the Rolex 24 again, um, end of January. And then, um, we did the Rolex, we did the Daytona 500. So we're getting the full Daytona experience this year. And, uh, last week I was in California for the, the Red Bull KTM media launch. So I've been a little busy. Awesome. So we'll talk about the Red Bull KTM deal here in a little bit, but tell me about the Rolex 24. You're on national TV sitting next to Dale Earnhardt Jr. explaining the new <laughs> racetrack. So how cool was that? It was it was crazy. Um, you know, they they asked me to come on and and you know, I thought I was just gonna be talking on flat track and I'm getting ready to head up to the media stand and Gene's like, Hey, uh, we want you to announce the track. <laughs> I'm like, Okay, sure, no problem. So I climb up this the into this tower and uh, they didn't warn me that Dale Earnhardt Jr. and Steve Letart was going to be up there. So I went up and I was like, oh, no, <laughs> I was a little starstruck. <laughs> but um, I guess it went all right. I was I was pretty nervous. So I think that was probably the most nervous I've been for an interview. 
Did you enjoy the car racing down there? I mean, I don't. I've never been to the Daytona 500 or the Rolex 24. Did you enjoy them? Yeah, I mean the Ro- the Rolex 24. Uh, this was Briar and I's second time going, and uh, we we were guests both years for the Action Express Racing Team. Uh, last year they went one two, so we're like, man, we got to come back and do it again. And uh, this year they were able to get second under the. Unfortunately, rain came and uh, they ended it under the red flag. So uh, that was a little bit of a bummer, considering we were there for as fans for the Action Express team. But uh, no, it's it's super cool. You know, the electronics, the the way the strategy comes into play. There's a lot of things that happen behind the scenes of that race that you know a lot of people don't actually see. That Briar and I are very fortunate to see, and uh, we became big fans of the sport. So it's you know something that's on our schedule now every year, and uh, we enjoy going down there with uh, Gary Nelson's team. That's cool. You ever thought about getting behind the wheel and, and driving after you stop racing motorcycles? <laughs> so uh, I'm actually based at um, a car shop down here in Florida right now. My hauler's getting worked on for the season, and uh, they have a simulator here. And uh, Briar and I have been giving it a shot here and there, some free nights, but uh, I'm a little rusty yet, but uh, maybe one day. I know it's a little bit safer, they say, with a roll cage, but uh, right now I'm all about two wheels. Right on. Well, all right. Let's get to know Shana Texter. Let's go back old school. Where were you born, Shana? <laughs> I was born in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. Okay. Did you grow up there? Did you, you live in Willow Street now, so that's close by. So what's, what's it like growing up there? <laughs> well, you know, everyone knows Lancaster County, um, which is the county that I grew up in as the Amish community, (laughs) but no, I'm not Amish for anyone that has that question. Um, but no, I, you know, my parents were divorced. They've been divorced since I was one year old. And, um, you know, I kind of grew up in two, two split households. My dad lived in Willow street, Pennsylvania, and my mom lived in Schwanksville, Pennsylvania, uh, which is now actually my current residence. Um, but it's, you know, one, one area is in the woods with all the wildlife and the deer and, and the other area is all farmland. So I got a little bit of, of both backing and, um, you know, I think it was kind of shaped me to who I am today, being able to experience both worlds. Oh, I'm going to have to learn a new hometown for you when I call out your name and when I do starting lineups <laughs> and stuff. No, I mean, my, my always, my hometown will still be Willow Street. I think, you know, I, I still currently still have a house that you know my brother and i have inherited from my dad in willow street so uh for for that sake um you know in honor of my dad i'll still still announce that i'm from willow street pennsylvania but uh yeah actually in end of 2017 uh i bought my first house in in schwanksville pennsylvania and and briar and i currently there and uh actually briar just got a pennsylvania driver's license so he's He's now part of the PA crew. <laughs> wow. He, he's part of the Pennsylvania Posse. He's a full-time resident. So uh, that's going to be weird. So when I guess, I guess I'm going to have to start learning how to announce him from Pennsylvania or something. I don't know. I still got him from Salinas, <laughs> California. Yep, yep. So now we're, we're both from uh, technically from Schwanksville, Pennsylvania. <laughs> All right. I love it. So uh, how did you get into <laughs> motorcycles? Uh, you know, quite simple. I was born into it. You know, my dad raced professionally, road race and flat track. My grandfather, he tried it a little bit, but with the war, he kind of had to step back. And, um, you know, everyone knows, of course, that my my uh, dad and my grandfather both owned a Harley-Davidson shop in Lancaster, Pennsylvania since the 50s. And um, so racing has been in my blood. I've been riding a motorcycle for since I was three years old. And, um, you know, my, my dad or my mom's dad, was a sprint car driver so when i say racing is literally in my blood it it literally is from both sides 
Absolutely. So when was your first race? Um, I've been racing since I was four. Um, I did some concrete indoors throughout the winters growing up, but uh, I really don't claim that as my first race. Really, I'd say 2003, about halfway through the year, my brother's my brother started racing and about halfway through the year I decided man I, I want to give that a shot and uh being that my dad owned a, a Harley Davidson Buell shop I uh was able to mount up some Buell Blast t- tires the night before Trailway Speedway in Hanover Pennsylvania was running and uh I haven't stopped since wow so what was it about motorcycle racing that appealed to you <laughs> um I, you know I don't know I think just the adrenaline and um it's just kind of who I am as a person, it's kind of just shaped me. You know, my brother and I, we grew up riding in the field at the Harley shop. My dad went racing uh, until 2002 when he retired. And, uh, you know, he helped out a lot of riders throughout their careers. And, um, you know, I was able to come to the races and see what they were doing. And um, ever since, you know, I started that first race in 03, I was just hooked. Um, you know, I enjoyed being at the track with my friends and, and the thrill that you get on a motorcycle, you know, you can go ride any roller coaster or any ride in an amusement park for that matter. And, and you can't get that adrenaline rush like you can when you're on a, on a motorcycle. I agree 100% with you. So you mentioned all the history of racers in your family. What is your very first memory of going to a track? Um, you know, <laughs> I, I have a lot of memories. Um, you know, it's funny, the one that pops up recently, especially with the recent release of the Rebel KTM releases uh, you know growing up racing concrete indoors um, I was actually raced the 50 until I was 10 years old up there just because I was so short little and we didn't really race you know full time on the dirt so uh, they they allowed us to do that I remember you know I never won a race actually and um, my dad and, and my my dad's friend who actually turned in my mechanic later on um, used to say, you going to ride like a girl this weekend or what? <laughs> and, um, you know, I never, never won a 50 race in an indoor concrete. And, uh, Dan Bromley was always the reason I didn't win because his leg was always so, so long. He could literally block the entire corner on his, on his <laughs> KTM 50. <laughs> so, you know, that's, that was always good memories and, and, you know, traveling up there to New York indoors every year throughout the winter, you know, that's something that I did from the time I was four years old until they stopped doing that race later um, when I was on 250. So that was always a great time for us. Right on. Have you raced anything else besides flat track? Uh, I raced a couple hair scramble races and uh, I also did the, what was it? The red riders, Honda, Supermoto challenges that they had. Uh, Danny Walker was putting on. I did two of them on a CRF 150. So th- those were really the two types of things. You know, I've been training a lot of motocross, but uh, I've never done a race. Okay. So what riders did you look up to when you were growing up? Uh, it was simple for me. Uh, Kenny Coolbeck, you know, he was always one of the most humble guys, humble champion on and off the track. And, uh, I really liked the way he carried himself as an individual and, and continues to do so. And uh, also Jake Johnson. Uh, I felt like our personalities were really similar as I was growing up. And, um, you know, believe it or not, now his wife, Jody and Briar actually joke all the time that we're, we're actually like siblings, <laughs> that we get along <laughs> so well. So um, those were always my two, my two, you know, 
flat trackers that I always watched. And then, you know, of course, I, I carried on watching Nikki Hayden over in the MotoGP and, and such. Don? I think the the whole flat track family, I think we all related somehow, you know, and, and it's just because we, we grow up with each other and that's probably why you're so close to those guys. Um, what, what are your favorite types of tracks? I know you, you go good on a real fast groove, you know, half mile or mile, but then you go out there and win Lima last year on pea gravel. I know there's some pea gravel tracks in, in Pennsylvania and Ohio. So what are your favorite types of tracks? Uh, you know, I, I just like really the racy type of ones. You know, I like the cushions just because there's multiple lines that form and uh, it, it becomes more of a rider's track. You know, it comes down to more fitness and, and, and ability and talent on a motorcycle and, and having that courage to kind of hold it, you know, to the edge a little bit. So I really like the cushion tracks, but, um, you know, also obviously Knoxville, Iowa was always a special place to me, a track that always had a lot of grip um fast and um you know you can carry a lot of corner speed so you know as long as the tracks are racy of course i'm not really that type of rider that enjoys you know the follow the leader one line racetracks um i like enjoy going out there and being able to put it on the line all right that's a good answer um did you have any other hobbies besides racing when you were growing up yeah, I did actually. I, I played soccer from the time I was four years old until ninth grade. And, uh, you know, it finally came to that point where I had to decide between soccer and, and motorcycle racing. Um, unfortunately for me, I kept breaking my leg every time soccer season came around on a motorcycle. So, um, you know, after two years sitting on the bench, I finally decided that motorcycle racing was what I wanted to do. And um, I actually left left my public school and, and started cyber school. <laughs> so uh, I could follow my brother around as he turned pro, you know, at, at 16 years old. So I was a lot younger. So for me, I, I followed him around and uh, did cyber school and continued racing. So there wasn't a whole lot of hobbies besides turning left. I got gotcha. you. So let's talk about your amateur career because I looked, started looking at all these stats and you're a multi-time District 6 champion, multi-time District 7 champion multi-time Northeast amateur national champion. I mean, there's, there's, they're on and on multi-time winter national amateur national champion, uh, AMA female athlete of the year, 2006, uh, 450 modified mile champion, 2007. I mean, it goes on and on. Um, what is your favorite memory as an amateur racer? Uh, definitely my favorite memory as an amateur racer was winning, um, the DeCoin mile, um, on a 250 Kawasaki, actually, um, the race, you could have threw a blanket over us. It kind of reminded me a lot of, you know, when I turned pro at, at the Springfield mile on a 450, you know, the 250 race was the same way there. And, uh, you know, I was the only person out there on a Kawasaki majority of the field was on Hondas and I was able to come away with that win. And that was really, you know, my first big win as an amateur, I felt like, and, uh, I think, you know, later on, that's what actually carried me on to become the female rider of the year that year. So for me, that that win was really a pivot point of my career, and and you know one to this day that it's you know anyone could have won, but I got the luck of the draw that time. That's awesome. Uh, there was a lazy at the Lazy Arena here in Oklahoma. There's a Buku Energy uh, indoor short track one night, TT the next night, and then on Sunday there's an amateur day, and that's probably the first time I remember really announcing you. And it's because you're in a lot of classes. I think you won six out of seven main events or five out of six main events, something like that. And the only reason you didn't win one is because you stalled the stalled the bike going into the tight left-hander. But you won the TT that day. 
do you remember winning all those races? I mean, was that just old hat to you? And it's the first time I remember things or, or what's going on with my memory? No, there? no, I, I actually do remember that trip. Um, I think I left there leading the VDTRA championship at the time. <laughs> so <laughs> fun little fact, but, uh, yeah, you know, that, that, those two days were killer week, you know, it was a killer weekend to go one to two with a TT and short track and then to sweep that many races, um, that was a lot of fun for sure. So you turned pro, I guess, late 2007, 2008 was your first full year as a professional rider. What's the transition like for you going from amateur to racing against the, you know, the professionals? At the time it wasn't that bad. Um, because a lot of the riders, you know, I went into, I went from racing amateur into the hot shoe championship at the time. So a lot of the guys that I was already racing with, you know, obviously turned pro. So I was still battling with James Rispoli and Jeffrey Carver, those guys of such, um, you know, the championship that actually, that year actually for the hot shoe championship went down to one of the last races between Jeffrey and I, and, um, I didn't qualify, I think for the short track at DeCoin. Um, during amateur nationals, our hot shoe ran in conjunction and that cost me the championship. But uh, that transition wasn't that tough. Really what was the toughest for me was once they implemented the DTX only rule. Um, For me as a rider, I I always chose to ride my framer over the motocross style bike. So that was a really tough transition for me was switching from the framer to the DTX rule only. That was the toughest part, I think. You think it's because, you know, with a framer you can you can set it up a little bit lower and it handles better and, and the seat height on the on the DTX bike style bike was taller? Why what why was it so hard for you? Yeah, I mean it's definitely a taller bike. You know, my framer was definitely a lot lower. You can you know, turn a framer a heck of a lot quicker than you can turn a DTX bike. And then, yeah, you know, it went down the suspension and grip. The framer worked a lot better for me as far as traction. Um, And the bike on the DTX was taller, like you said. And, um, you know, we we struggled with suspension, um, which is something, you know, uh, there's not a lot of riders that are out there that are five foot tall, you know, weighing right around 100 pounds for for suspension companies to to really kind of get a good baseline so for me that took many years of of trial and error to actually get that dialed in and figured out to where it was appropriate for me right what's your favorite memory of the first couple of seasons as a pro uh my favorite memory you know definitely getting that first win at knoxville iowa you know that that day was just one of them days where everything just finally fell in line you know, I had really good feelings going into that race. I didn't think I was going to make it because of flooding and loaded up with Chad Coast. And, and I think there was like four or five of us in his van and, uh, and we made it. And, you know, I, I got not transponder number 26, which was my grandfather's sprint car number. And, uh, you know, he was inducted into that hall of fame there, you know, a couple of years prior that I wasn't able to attend. And, uh, he was actually the only person there with me that day at the race. So, for me to get that first win and, and get it out of the way was huge. Um, you know, it was, it was a dream come true for me and, and, um, uh, it was big for our sport, you know, to, to have a female win. And, and that was always my goal was, you know, I didn't want to win just for me. I wanted to win for the sport as a whole and, and hope, hope to generate interest to the sport and, and get more female involved in it as well. You know, that's, that's my favorite moment as an announcer was announcing that race and uh Barry Boone actually made a short clip for me and it's on my phone still of how cool it was for you to come from back you know eighth 
place or something like that. You tracked down Briar and passed him. You guys went back and forth. And then, you know, I was basically almost cheering you on, which I know I'm not supposed to do as an announcer, <laughs> but I was so excited. And that's probably, uh, that's probably my favorite race I've ever announced. Yeah, I think, I think actually Briar was, you know, cheering me on afterwards, you know, through the, uh, the podium speech and stuff. He was stoked. And, uh, you know, it was, it was just one of them days where I felt like I couldn't do anything wrong. Yeah. My, you know, my starts were terrible. I think the second row passed me off the starting line, but, um, just everything kind of fell in place and, you know, it kind of gives you chills when the day goes that smooth, <laughs> but, yeah. um, now it did. And, um, you know, I, it's funny. I was actually talking to some people this past week, you know, when I left that race, I, you know, I just made history and I drove out of there in Chad's van and slept in the uh, Iowa truck um, rest area parking lot in the front seat of the van with my head on the steering wheel. And I'm thinking, what the heck am I doing? I just won my first race, made history, and here I am sleeping in a rest area with my head on the steering wheel. <laughs> but, uh, you know, those those are good memories. <laughs> Celebrating in a van with Chad Coase. That sounds like uh, pretty, pretty entertaining right there. So that happened in 2011. So let's go back to 2010. You actually lost your father. How hard was it to, to keep racing after that? And, and what, it, what did it mean to you to win that first race knowing that he was behind you? Oh, man, it was, you know, it was hard. You know, there was times where, you know, I definitely considered giving up, quitting. But, um, you know, he was a big part of continuing to push me and um, give me that, that motivation. You know, I saw kind of what he went through throughout the years with his health and you know that never quit never give up attitude and um you know i kind of just took that and run with it and still continue to do that today um you know getting that first win and and knowing that he was up above with the best seat in the house was was incredible but um you know it, it just shows you as as a person that you know if, if you want something bad enough and continue to work and push and and dig, you know, good things will happen in the end. And, um, you know, I'm so glad, you know, now in 2019 that I, I didn't give up, you know, nine years ago when he passed and, um, you know, continue to live on in his memory. That's amazing. And it, it's cool that Briar's a part of that too, because you guys went back and forth in that race and, and Brian Briar actually won three races that season as well. So were you guys even friends at that point or, you know, when did you guys start dating? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we we were actually became friends throughout that season. You know, we I think his first race that year because of age was Sacramento Mile, and um, you know from that race on we kind of battled back and forth. You know, exchanged wins and podium spots, and uh, you know had had a good time that year together racing um, with him, and it was a good bunch that we had in the class. And um, we didn't start dating until 2000 end of 2012 is when we started dating. Um, around this January, December ish. Um, so yeah, we've been we've been together for a little while now. <laughs> All right, that's cool. I didn't know when that was officially when you started dating. You know, you see you see things and hear things. You know, as an outsider, <laughs> kind of looking down at the pits, I get to see a lot of things. But I didn't know when that officially started. Uh, two thousand. <laughs> we don't have that that whole date. You know, <laughs> giddy stuff. We uh, okay. we're just straight business. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. 2012, you went on to win three more races. In 2013, you won the Indy Mile. 2014 to 16, you know, no wins right there. You actually dabbled in the uh, the Premier Class for a little while. And then 2017, you came back with the Vengeance and won five races. So 
anything in that little time period stick out to you? Yeah, I mean, for me, you know, I had had a great run. I think I had a, a top 10 finish on a twin. And, um, you know, I, I was so close to, I felt like, turning turning the bridge to being a better twins rider. But I was also struggling kind of mentally. You know, the twins class, it's, you know, the top premier guys of the entire world of flat track. And, uh, you know, I had a couple years of, of bikes, troubles, and, and stuff like that that, I needed to go back to the singles class in order to win and, and get that confidence back. And, um, you know, I, I expected to win one, one race, maybe two races, you know, of course, going to Sacramento, I always had good luck there. Um, you know, at the time, I think my worst finish was, was a third place. So, you know, to go in there and I expected to win Sacramento and, <laughs> but to get five wins in 2017, that was, incredible and and to all of a sudden be leading the championship was not something that that i anticipated or i don't think i was completely ready for either all right so you know running up there leading the championship was there a lot of pressure i mean you had a lot more media attention could you feel the pressure of leading the points you know i felt like i handled it well i mean you definitely you know you start overthinking things and and stressing it's you know definitely a lot more to to manage but for me, you know, the everything was going my way except for the TTs, you know, and, and I survived the TTs and still had the points lead. And, you know, I was like, all right, let's go. Let's go do this. Let's finish it out. And to, to get that flat tire at my home race in Williams Grove was just, you know, a complete heartbreaker. Um, you know, to this day, it still eats me up inside to know, you know, I, I still had a shot at the championship, you know, even with surviving the, the TTs and, and winning five races to come down to the end to have a shot at the at the championship and, and then get that flat tire was just, man, it still, still struggles to for me to figure out how or why it happened. But, um, you know, for me, it's just more motivation that to keep working hard on the TTs and, um, you know, so that way in, in the future, it's, it's not a reason we lose the championship. Right on. Let's talk about last year, 2018. You won three races, including Lima, Rapid City, and the Meadowlands. I think Lima was the biggest shock to me because you came onto the track and you were blistering fast right out of the box. And it kind of took everybody by surprise because your other wins have been on, you know, groove racetracks most of the time. Yeah, yeah, definitely. You know, a lot of people, you know, felt like I was just a mile queen. <laughs> You know, so to kind of come out there and, and pretty much dominate the entire day, um, I think I was on top except for one qualifying session there at the end uh, when my airbag went off unexpectedly. But, um, you know, I think, you know, I hope, you know, that showed that, that I'm a serious competitor. And, um, you know, not only did I win Lima, but I won the year before in Weedsport and, and you know, continue to show that I can dominate on, on all styles and forms of racetracks. Um, you know, that day I kind of took advice that I had heard from Breyer, you know, over the year, listening to him after he won his race and just kind of went to work. And, you know, the, the more you're on the gas, the easier it is to ride around my mind. That just kind of kept telling myself when a thing starts getting sideways and out of control, just pick up the gas, which is, you know, it's not always the easiest thing to do, but for me that day, I just I had the right mindset. That's awesome. So the factory Husqvarna deal, um, how did that come together and how did you make all that work? 
So I was basically ready to run my own team, and, and Husqvarna had a women in motorcycle initiative. So it really was a great fit. You know, the entire Husqvarna uh, motorcycle company was ran by women in the marketing program. So that was super cool, and, and they wanted to check things out in the flat track world, and you know, I was honored to give them that opportunity and, and to bring them their first win actually at Lima. So how awesome was that to bring them their first win? I mean, Lima, <laughs> I mean, that had to have been so cool, especially Husqvarna's first win in, in AMA Pro Flat Track or American Flat Track, however you want to look at it. But how cool is that? It, you know, it was, man, it was literally, a, it was a dream of mine to get that done, to, to give them that first win and, and to show, you know, in the past, I knew I could go out and win on a Honda. I had already done that, and so had a lot of other people. But nobody had won on a Husqvarna yet. So for me to go out there and, and kind of show that, you know, I can be a more diverse rider and, and win on different brands was super cool. And then, you know, to get, get that first win at, at Lima on a track that Briar won the year before was just, you know, it was like a fairy tale. You know, some people say we're, we're probably going to own residence one day in Lima or get married at Lima or do something at Lima, <laughs> but yeah. you know, it's, it's still one of them tracks where, you know, and wins where I sit back and think about and, and still doesn't feel real. Um, you know, I, I don't to this day completely know where, you know, that came from and, you know, I just kind of gripped my teeth. And like I said, I was hungry and, and, uh, just kind of held her wide open. <laughs> so hopefully I can do, do that again this year. That'd be awesome. <laughs> What what was the biggest challenge bringing a new team Husqvarna into flat track? What was the biggest challenge for you and your team? Uh, basically, we had to build from the ground up. You know, we we signed the deal so late. You know, I think my deal came together finalized. You know, ten days before Daytona. So, thankfully, Jerry Stinchfield from Roost Systems was excited to help because I really didn't have anything and couldn't have gone racing without him. And he was a big part of of getting me to the track last year and, and continue to help me throughout the year and, and continue this year as well. And, you know, I partnered, partnered up with a manager that also had experience in, in both the motocross and supercross world. And we just started kind of putting things together and, and checking items off. And I was lucky to land, you know, Justin Pittman as my primary mechanic. And I called in Briar's dad, Barry Bauman for, for support each week. And, um, you know, he was, you know, I worked with him years prior and, you know, he kind of knew what I wanted as a rider. And, you know, we, we actually, Barry and I go back, we have, we have a bunch of wins together that, you know, a lot of people don't know about, but, uh, he's always been a big part of, of my success. And I was lucky to have him in my corner last year. That's awesome. You finished off the year strong with the win in Meadowlands with an awesome last lap. You know, you, you actually, it was kind of a physical battle between yourself and Colby Carlisle. Tell us about the last race of the season. Yeah, I mean, for me, that was that was a big, important race. You know, I like I said, you know, 2017, I lost the championship to Colby, and I felt like, you know, that was my championship, you know, honestly. So, for me, I, I didn't want him to go out on top of, you know, again, in a sense. I wanted that, that win, and, and I wanted that third place in the championship um, a lot. So, to, to end up battling down to the wire, you know, literally across the start finish line, it was just crazy. <laughs> and, um, you know, we, we crossed the finish line. I kind of looked down and I'm like, man, I, I think I got it. I'm pretty sure my wheels across the line and he starts celebrating. I'm like, Oh man, did he get it? Did I get it? And, 
when they they pointed to me, it was just man, I was just filled with emotions. You know, that was probably one of my, you know, winning a Lima was was a dream come true. But that that was probably one of my most emotional wins was getting that job done at Meadowlands. It just felt like a leap of pressure was was off my chest, and um, you know, we we were able to celebrate something. It was awesome in front of a you know a huge crowd on that stage right outside New York City, and and that had to give you a lot of great momentum he- momentum heading into this season. So let's go ahead and talk about 2019. Just recently re- announced you're on the Red Bull KTM factory team. So how did all that come up, come to be? You know, I think I think last year was a big part of that. I think uh, my season at Husqvarna helped, and um, you know, I had the opportunity to meet Roger DeCoster and Ian Harrison and the guys in the race shop during the season last year um, with my manager Scott Taylor. Uh, Scott actually, you know, like I said, he worked with in motocross and supercross and uh, he worked closely with roger and ian with uh, ricky carmichael so i think that helped open some doors and you know i'm also good friends with chris fillmore who is the rebel ktm flat track manager so i think that also helped but uh i was also you know super excited to to get the opportunity to be able to work with red bull um you know that's man some of the most elite athletes are, are red bull athletes so to now join that team is is huge how long is your Red Bull KTM deal? My contract currently is for 2019, but we have some longer-term projects in mind, and uh, Roof Systems is a is a big player with the team, so I think that will also help out on the lo- longer-term stuff. Okay. All right. So Paris, you know, where you did the uh, press release, was that the first time you got the ride to KTM? So I, I actually – you know, my contract with Husqvarna was up at the end of October, so I actually uh, flew out in December and did a did a little bit of testing out at um, the Paris track that we'll be racing at later this year. So I was able to do some testing with them and, and feel out the bikes a little bit. But Paris was the first time that I got to ride my actual 2019 race bike. Okay. So what were your thoughts the first time you rode one? man it's it's insane you know to to ride to ride a a bike that was built you know by the factory rebel ktm team with you know the guys of roger coster ian harris and chris fillmore you know those guys that are not only are they you know the greatest ever mechanics but they're also great riders themselves so to have them build you know and be behind this entire project it's just it's a dream come true. It's, you know, I just sit on my bike and just think about how lucky I and fortunate I am to be riding it. So the bikes look so good in person and, you know, everything's so fresh and, and ready to go. All right. So you mentioned your, your team manager, Chris Fillmore, a couple of times. For those that don't know who he is, give us a little background and why is he qualified to run the KTM effort for 2019? Yeah, so Chris Fillmore is, you know, like I said, the the Red Bull KTM flat track team manager. And uh, for those who don't know, he he was a racer himself. He actually raced for the KTM team in in Supermoto and and did some stuff also for them in road race. So he's, you know, past road race and and Supermoto rider himself with many wins. And, um, you know, he's been around flat track for the last couple of years. Actually, he's been to a bunch of races kind of behind the scenes observing everything so you know not only does he have the rider experience but he's also has some team experience also running the uh, 
you know, KTM did the the Junior Cup series in road race, and, and he was a big part of, of that and, and helping them win a championship last year. So I think he's uh, more than qualified and ready to get the job done. Well, one of your toughest competitors this year is going to be your teammate. Uh, how, how, will, how do you think you guys are going to work together as teammates? Do you guys even get along? <laughs> Dan and I go, like I said earlier, you know, we go a long ways back, you know, uh, we're, we're great friends. You know, we both come from the PA posse. We grew up in district six, seven, and, uh, you know, our dads, um, were great friends throughout the years. We actually traveled to a bunch of races when we were younger. Uh, we used to haul Dan's bike down every year for the winter nationals. And, um, you know, so we, we go a ways back, you know, on the track and off the track as friends. So, I think it's gonna it's gonna be a good fit. Okay, so I joked a little bit when the press release came out about you know the Red Bull KTM press release came out. I said, looks like they hired the tallest rider and the shortest rider. Are you guys gonna be able to share information at the races? <laughs> yes, we will be, but you know, like you said, our, our physical side and riding size uh, styles couldn't be any different. You know, uh, I'm not sure how much, you know, we can gain from each other in that area, but, you know, we can definitely work together on gearing and, and track lines and, and what the track's doing and developing as, as the night goes on. Okay. So AFT added a fourth TT event this year, one of the types of tracks that you seem to struggle a little bit at. So what are you doing to prepare for all the TTs for this this season? Uh, just sitting at home, you know roasting some marshmallows no i'm just kidding <laughs> um <laughs> i'm you know I, i'm working super hard at them um you know i've been working overall strength and fitness uh, i've teamed up with alden baker and um just super focused more more time this off season on riding motocross and some tt stuff and you know i've been riding and working out more than ever and uh continuing to watch you know my diet and um, you know, I feel good. I, I feel like we're making progress, but you know, it's not something that's going to turn around completely overnight, but you know, I, I am working hard on it and, you know, believe me, I, I want to be in those main events for sure. Right on. What, uh, what events are you most looking forward to in 2019? Uh, you know, one event that I'm definitely looking forward to is, you know, the Texas half mile. Um, you know, I won that in 2017, 2018, uh, you know, it came down to the wire with me and, and Michler, and, um, you know, that's one race, you know, that I, I definitely am excited to get back to and, and see if I can get the get the win again. Um, you know, of course, going back to Meadowlands, that, that was such a fun race for me uh, to end the season on a mile and so close to home. You know, it's only three hours from home, so a lot of family and, and friends go to that race. So I'm really looking forward to that. And then, of course, Lima. <laughs> You know, I'm hoping, you know, that Briar and I can, can do the double and, and both win that day. That would be, you know, huge if we could get, you know, both the, the win in one day somewhere. That, that would be amazing if you guys can ever do that. I, I can't wait for that day to happen. So what are your thoughts on the new layout for Daytona, for the new Daytona TT? Um, You know, I'm excited about it. You know, I think it's it's going to add a whole new curveball. You know, nobody really knows what to expect. That's, that's the fun part about it. You know, we're adding asphalt, um, you know, the, the layout's a little bit different. So I'm excited. I'm excited for the unknown and, and hopefully uh, excited to go out there and, and put on a good show for the fans. I know the race is going to be a lot closer to the fans being up there on the banking and, and to be able to cross that start finish line, um, you know, where some of the greatest ever have, 
crossed at some point in their career. So that's, that's super cool to be able to kind of check that off your list. Yeah. I think that'd be pretty cool. I, I don't, you know, it's something I'll never get to do. So, you know, you guys are pretty lucky for sure. Uh, talk about your competition this year. Some of the toughest in recent years have been in the singles classes, you know, some of the best racing. Uh, who, who do you think you're going to be banging bars with week in and week out this year? Uh, you know, I think it's gonna. I think you're gonna see the same guys. You know, I think you're gonna see me banging bars continuously with, with Ryan Wells and uh, and Dan Bromley. And you know, I think Max Wales is gonna do a lot better now. He's got a full year under his belt and and join teams with Weirbach Racing. And then, you know, also you got Chad Coase and and Mikey Rush coming down from the Twins class to also mix it up and. Uh, you know, I, I know my brother is definitely hungry to, to try and bang bars with me. That's for sure. He's been working super hard. So, you know, I think you're going to see, you know, similar to last year, I think you're going to see a bunch of different winners throughout. And I think the, the guy who can be the most consistent is going to be the winner at the end. Are there any plans for you to, to, to try to run the production twins class at all this season? Or, you know, I, I know like Springfield mile would be perfect for you if, if you could, you know, maybe find a ride or get something put together, or are you just going to focus on the singles championship? Yeah, I mean, I would definitely love love the opportunity uh, in the future to to ride the Springfield Mile again. But uh, for the for the 2019 season, I'll just be focusing on the championship. Um, but you know, hopefully in the future, when when the Red Bull KTM Roof Systems Twins are ready to go, I, I would love love an opportunity to ride it. Okay, so you know, I'm a huge Shane Texter fan. I mean, you're you're one of my favorites to cheer for, and you know, I'm not supposed to have favorites as an announcer, but it kind of seems that some folks in the pit seem to think that your secret is that you only weigh 100 pounds and you're only five foot tall, and, and all you got to do is sit there and hold the throttle wide open. So what do you say to those people, you know, your critics? What do you say to them? <laughs> well, you know, winning Lima this past year probably slowed some of that talk down, at least I, I hope so. You know, that's one of the most physically demanding racetracks on the schedule. So, sorry, Vanderkoy came in videoing me. <laughs> but yeah so winning Lima this past year was probably I hope so some of that talk down um you know it's one of the most physically demanding racetracks on the schedule if not the most so that one was I think the the least unexpected race for me to win um but you know each each straightaway has a corner at the end of it that requires some skill to get through it so I wouldn't say that it's not just holding the throttle wide open always to win a race, but it definitely does take a little bit of skill. And, and, you know, I would also say that the current champ, you know, who's my teammate is probably the largest rider in the class. So obviously being a, a big, strong person isn't a disadvantage either. Okay. I like that answer. You know, it, you know, flat track, it looks easy when you're sitting in the grandstands and everybody can be a critic, but you know, I just welcome those people to give it a shot. Cause it's a lot harder than it looks. That's for sure. Um, what are your plans after flat track? Um, you know, I think flat track's going to be a big part of my, my life for a while. You know, obviously, um, with, with Briar competing in the sport and myself, you know, I think even when, when my days up to, to call it a career, you know, I think he'll still be continuing on, I think until he's probably 40 years old. So <laughs> I'll probably be around flat track for a while, but, um, you know, I, I definitely want to hopefully have a team in the future and, and be able to, to help younger kids kind of live out the same dream that I've been fortunate to live and, and give back to the sport in any way that I can, you know, I, I want to continue to, to be an ambassador for the sport and, and hopefully bring attention to it in any way that I can. Okay. 
how do you feel about being compared to Danica Patrick? You know, she came to NASCAR, brought a huge following, the only female to race in NASCAR. And, and there's some other girls that race in flat track, but you're the only one to win. So how do you feel being compared to her? I think it's awesome. I mean, Danica's an, an amazing asset to NASCAR and, and brought a lot of new attention to the sport. And, um, you know, it, it would have been incredible if, if she would have won a race. I mean, man, I can't even imagine what that would have been like. But, you know, I, I'm a racer first. And, uh, you know, but I, I am learning the marketing side and, and trying to bring extra attention to fly track and, and promote females in, in motorsports. So, you know, I think... You know, Danica had the same goals and, and dreams, and, you know, hopefully we're, we're bringing more attention to motorsports. All right. So we're at the part of the podcast where it's time for Graham's question. Of course, Graham's a big fan, just as big a fan as I am. But uh, she <laughs> wanted to know about your hobbies earlier, but we asked that question a little while ago. So she wants to know, how do you relax or do you get to relax? <laughs> how do I relax? Um you know, one of my most prized possessions is my dog. <laughs> I have a puggle named Ogio. Um, her, I call her Ogio because I couldn't actually pronounce Ogio properly <laughs> when I was younger. <laughs> so, um, you know, that I just enjoy kind of, I have a, you know, five acres in the woods, a log cabin in Pennsylvania. And Briar and I just enjoy kind of escaping to there on the off weekends or off days, hanging out with our friends. You know, we, we live super close to the Johnsons and and uh, a bunch of other racers. So the the best part is just having everyone come back there and, and kick back and, and have fun with no pressure, no stress, and, and just enjoy ourselves. Awesome. It's time for the rapid-fire questions. I want the first thing that pops into your mind. Are you ready? <clears throat> I'm ready. What's your favorite bike you've ever ridden? My favorite bike was a KTM 125. All right. Okay. Bigger Lima win, your win last year or Breyer's win in 2017? <laughs> I would say my win. All right. Who wears the pants, you or Breyer? <laughs> I think we all know this question. <laughs> I definitely do. <laughs> there you go. Uh, so along that note, when are you going to ask Breyer to marry you? <laughs> Man, I don't know. The, the joke going around is people already call him Breyer texter, so... <laughs> All right. I'm not sure. <laughs> All right. Well, what's the biggest deer that you've ever gotten while you've been hunting? My biggest deer is a 10-pointer, and, yes, it's bigger than Briars. <laughs> I love it. So what's the bigger factory debut, uh, the new Indian Rider lineup or the KTM in the singles class? Come on, the KTM in the singles class. All right. I'm just making sure you're going to stick to your answers here. <laughs> so – Favorite female racer besides yourself? Favorite female racer besides myself? Um, Nicole Meese. Okay. All right. You've always had some, seem to always have some big news, you know. Are there any teaser of what's around the corner for Shana Texter? <laughs> no. I'm, like, sheltered. I, I like to keep myself, my stuff close in and, and let it out when the time's right. <laughs> All right. And no, I'm not pregnant for everyone that thought I was, that was my big news. <laughs> yeah, this, this is getting better and better as we keep going. So uh, where do you, where do you see yourself in five years? Five years, hopefully married, three kids and, and uh white picket fence. All right. I love it. Are you telling um, the no, truth? Hopefully. You're making stuff up. <laughs> hopefully, hopefully I'm, hopefully I'm 
became the first female to win an American Flat Track Championship. That would be awesome. Yes, yes, it would. All right, I got one more for you that's not on my note page, but uh, when is Corey going to give your pink toolbox back? <laughs> oh, man, maybe when he gives everything else back. <laughs> but uh, I think uh, I think he can go ahead and keep that. That that okay. will be my donation. And and I don't know if you saw, I'm on his bike this year, so I'm a sponsor. Oh, good. So you're an official sponsor. <laughs> I, I, I told him, I told him when we had him on, you know, the last time I think we checked in before he promoted his first race. I said, are you going to put Shana's brother on the back of your leathers? And, and I think he's going to do that for you. <laughs> that would be funny. Uh, between him and Briar, you know, yeah. I, I think I, I run a team behind the scenes. <laughs> <laughs> You're the team manager for, for the, for the PA people, right? <laughs> yep. All right. Well, we appreciate you coming on. I've tried giving you a nickname plenty of times. I still like uh, Showtime. Shana Texter, I know there's a Showtime Johnny Murphy, but ST and Showtime kind of goes together. But uh, I don't know. One one day I'm going to come up with a better nickname, and maybe you might like it. But uh, in the meantime, I'm just going to keep calling you Shana Texter, the lady that's out front. How about that? <laughs> I don't know. I do like – I don't know if you remember when I won Knoxville. They called me the Dragon Slayer. That one was pretty That one was pretty stealth. I like that one. Too, so. All right. I just, like that. Just keep working on it. Keep working okay. on it. And we'll see what you come up with. Just no condor. Uh, yeah, no condor. I did not like that one at all. That wasn't in my doings for sure. So uh, <laughs> we we appreciate you coming on here, spending some time with us. I know you got those four other racers that are standing right there looking at you and giving you a hard time. But uh, here's your chance to say thank you to anyone. I know you got a long list. Uh, here's your chance to say thanks. Yeah, definitely. You know, I couldn't do it without the Red Bull KTM team. Roof Systems of Dallas, Motorex, WP Suspension, Akrapovic Pipes, Rental, Dubaya, Hinton Racing, HPD, Motor Graphics, Motor Master, Agribus, Swinair, Alpine Stars, Red Torpedo, KTM Power Parts with Power World, and Wings for Life. You know, without them, them, them guys, you know, I definitely would make it to the track each weekend, so thanks. All right. I know Jerry's been a big part of your program for the last couple of years. And, and uh, man, I just wish the best for you in 2019. And uh, we'll see you down Daytona here pretty soon. Thanks, Scotty. I'm looking forward to it. All right, Dragon Slayer. Thanks for coming on the podcast. <laughs> Thank you. There it is. Shana Texter, ladies and gentlemen. She's awesome. You know, she's got such a good attitude and the way she carries herself. I know she's only five foot tall, but she she's just she's awesome you know my hat's off to her and i wish her the best in 2019 on that new factory red bull ktm that's gonna be awesome to watch it's gonna be awesome to see you in the dynamic with her and bromley too like uh you know what they each bring to that team um and how well they do on those bikes you know along with other ktms that are you know a privateer effort you know with the waters and all the other talent in the singles classes it's gonna be jam-packed with talent and i can't wait to see how it plays out yeah, I think we're going to have several different winners this year. I know at the start of the season last year, it seemed like every race we went to for a while, there was a different winner. And then Shayna, you know, won a couple, and then Bromley won a couple. And, and uh, this year, we might have a different winner at every race. I kind of doubt that, but that would be kind of cool. Yeah, and it's not just, you know, all the uh, all the hype building up. I, I like the idea that I've seen a lot of riders. Like, Shayna's already down in Florida. There's a lot of riders that have been spending, you know, months already down there in Florida um, preparing, training, and doing, you know, all the work on their programs to get, to get ready for Daytona, where... I don't know if they've had that long in the past down there. It's 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 gonna be it's gonna be interesting to see how that pays off once the bikes hit the track. It'll be interesting to see how that plays out. 
Yeah, it seems like that's the new trend right now. You know, uh, Jared Meese has been doing it for a few years. Kenny Coolbeth moved down there actually to get into the warmth. And it seems like Brandon Robinson's been going down there. Jared Vandekoy's down there. Uh, I know Dalton Gauthier, he's he's going to make a comeback this year. We'll try to talk to him a little bit later on this season. But uh, he's down there in Florida. And, of course, Shana's down there with, you know, with Breyer. And Corey Texter's been down there for a while. And, and it seems like that is the trend. You know, they're, they're already down there. They're acquainted with everything. They've been riding a lot. You know, if they were back home in Pennsylvania or wherever they're from, there's not a lot of riding unless you go somewhere indoors. I mean, it's just not the same. So yeah. uh, I like I like what they're doing. I think it's a great idea. Yeah, man. Two weeks. Two weeks, Scotty. Uh, I'm still waiting to get the approval for whether I can get off work. I'm going to just, if I don't know by the end of this week, I'm just going to start <coughs> getting sick and just be out. Um, but I, yep. I've got to be down there. Do. Yeah, and I'm going to take that Friday off so we, yeah. can, we can do our thing live from the track, I think. Um, that'll be a lot oh, of Oh, that'd be awesome. I don't know how that's going to work we... yet, but we'll figure it out. We'll figure that out. That'd be fun. Maybe we can grab a racer if anybody's left in town. Maybe we can record down there. That'd be awesome. Uh, I'm actually leaving Wednesday, headed down towards Savannah, Georgia, because they run on Friday and Saturday night. And yep. then I'll head on over to Volusia for Sunday, Monday, and Tuesday. Wednesday, of course, the big meeting, usually down at Daytona National Speedway, and then the Grand National Thursday. So just 13 days away from the Grand National. But I start calling flat track racing again one week from today. Oh, man. That's awesome. It's good to be back. I can't wait. I hope it's warmer down there than it is where I'm at now. Have you seen my sign? You've seen my sign. You like my sign? I love your sign. I love your <laughs> sign. Everybody everybody keeps texting me, asking me if it's mine. I was like, no, it's Carter's. He went to the pawn shop or went to the thrift store. Uh, thrift store, got fine, that man. Thing. That's awesome. <laughs> I, I saw it. I was like, well, what am I going to do with this? I might make some videos with it. And I was saying, what can I put on? Oh, Countdown to Daytona. It's on. So I've been posting yep. the daily thing there. Just, I mean, there's I, not enough countdowns just, out there already, I guess. But. But you've already got your money's worth out of the sign just from what you've done so far. So damn well, right. money well spent. You damn right. Well, cool, man. Um, I'm gonna get going. I know you got stuff to do too. Well, you're actually uh, what are you like? By Amarillo. You're by Amarillo, phone this Texas. weekend. Not Armadillo. Not not Armadillo, but Amarillo. Yeah. I think it's Amarillo by morning. But uh, Arena Cross. We got a one night show Saturday night, and then I'll head back home and start packing for Florida. So. Yeah. All right, it. man. All right. Well, cool. Don't forget. What? Tell all your friends. Yep. Give us a follow. Uh-huh. Smash that like button, and we appreciate every listener, and we answer all the feedback, and we appreciate everybody who, who pays attention off the groove. Yep. We uh, we certainly do. All have right, good, bro. Have a good weekend, all and right. uh, we'll talk to you next week. All right, man. Take care.